I can't wait to hear what Pastor Matt has for us today. I know you can hear me. I just don't think you're listening very well. <laughs> you can finish up that conversation over coffee later. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, we're going to have a we're going to have a wonderful time here in the word of God right now. And uh Pastor Matt Jansen, I've known him for many years and have always respected him and loved him. Uh, you may or may not know that we do like to have guest ministers that are on the, a little younger than me or a lot younger than me, and so we work at that. But when I'm gone on a vacation or gone away, I like to have someone that I know I can trust and know will do well for you and be faithful to the Word. And probably you've noticed pretty much every time I'm away, the first person I try to get to come to our church is Matt, so that when I'm away, I know that we'll, it, will, it will go well. And so here I am, for the first time in a long time, able to be here to, to sit and you know cheer him on. So Matt Jansen, would you please come and let's welcome him. God bless you, bro. Thanks, Pastor Mike. And he's going to continue our series on Psalm 2019. And uh, so you can turn in your Bibles or apps to Psalm 19. He's going to be going through some of the verses there. But let's pray. Would you stretch your hand forward to him, please? Lord Jesus, thank you for this man of God. I pray your blessing upon him. And we receive this man in the name of the Lord. And so we will receive a reward that he brings with him, the precious word of God that will come and bless us and minister to us and heal us and strengthen our hearts and our lives. So thanks for this great guy. Lord, bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Right on. Who here has never seen me before? You have no idea. Okay, thank you. Well, here, let me introduce myself. My name is Matthew Jonathan Jansen. I am 39 years old. Um, I love Jesus with all of my heart. And uh, we bring you greetings this morning from our church in Langley at Southgate Church. Uh, my wife, who's just right there. You got to give her a hand, you guys. Hey, listen, I just want to apologize. If you're a young man, you were hoping to marry the most beautiful woman in the world. It's too late because I got her. And that's my baby. That's Tanya. And uh, she's the worship pastor at our church at Southgate. And we're both elders uh, at the church and have been serving there for, well, almost 20 years. Uh, and just love the Lord. I can sense the presence of God here this morning. And one of the things I love about the body of Christ is that wherever you go, we seriously are and we truly are family. Like we're brothers and sisters. And it almost feels like, you know, when you know somebody so well that you can start a sentence and they'll finish it for you. I kind of feel like that this morning. I kind of feel like we started a sentence and you just finished it this morning in worship. And just a, a powerful time to spend time with you together. And we're so grateful to be with you this morning. Also, a little bit more about me. Uh, I played basketball when I was growing up. Surprise, surprise. Six foot five, right? And uh, I love uh, five guys and fries. So there you go. That's something about me. Big fan of good burgers. All right. Amen. Well, this morning, my assignment is to continue the series this morning in the book of Psalms. Of course, the, the series is called 2019, which I think is so in line with who God is because he's outside of our time domain. He sees the end from the beginning. So I love that. We're going backwards and we're going back to Psalm 19 and we're going to 7-Eleven this morning. 
Psalm 19, 7, 11. If you have your Bibles, could you please turn this morning to Psalm 19, 7 through 11. I read from the New King James Version, so I'm going to go ahead and do that this morning. And then we're going to pray, and then we're going to preach, and then some of you are just inspired, and you're going to go to Five Guys and Fries, I'm sure, this morning. I don't work for them, by the way. Psalm 19, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous together. Moreover, to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word, that it is powerful, Lord God, that it will accomplish what it is set out to do. And this morning, Lord God, I just get out of your way. I say, God, you come and do whatever you want to do here this morning. I pray that you would use me as your vessel. God, that not one person would leave this place the same, that we would all be changed by your word. We're so grateful for you this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. The title of my message this morning is Foundations. And um, it's something that I'm very passionate about. It's a subject I'm very passionate about because uh, we need to know why we believe what we believe. We live in an age that is full of information. We have access to information unlike anybody in in history and in in the past uh, before us. In our hands, we now carry computers that can tell us anything that we need to know. It's like an external brain or an external hard drive that we carry that fills us in on any information that we need. I love to think about history, and I love to think about how it might have been in the past and and what it would have been like if I would have lived there. And, And thinking back about a century, can you imagine living about a century ago? The extent of information that you would get. You know, you might find out something, some news from from a family member or a friend in your community. Maybe you might find out information from a local newspaper, but today we are bombarded with facts. We are bombarded with information, and it's all around us, and it's overwhelming. I've heard this, this time in history called the age of anxiety, because can you imagine? I, I believe that we actually see more information in one day than many people might see in their entire lifetime a century ago. And how does that impact and affect us as human beings? How do we interact with that? They call it the age of anxiety. Um, I love, there's this humanist named E.O. Wilson who said it this way, we are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. And I feel that. I, I sense that in the world around me, that there are people who are full of information, but are saying, what do I do with this? And indeed, it is overwhelming. Much of it is negative, of course. You have CNN um, constantly negative news. You guys have heard that one? Bombarded with negative information. So what do we do about this? I mean, come on, what, what do we do about global warming and the ice caps? What do we do about the stock market crashing? Oil prices rising. The cost of living going up around us. The, the, the real estate market. Let's just get into the real estate market here for a second. How's a young person supposed to survive in the real estate market that we're in today? How about the attacks in New Zealand or the attacks in Nigeria? What about raising kids in an age of sexual confusion? What about finding jobs when we're being overwhelmed by technology and the robots are taking over? 
What do we do with all this? Now we read Psalm 19, 7 through 11. I'm going to read it in the NLT. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward to those who obey them. Last week, Pastor Mike spoke about the general revelation that God has given to us in nature, that we see him, his nature and his attributes in the world around us. And we find out a little bit about his character and that man is without excuse because God has revealed himself to us in creation. We, we know about his majesty. We know about his order. We know about uh, various aspects of his character through the world we see around us. But today we're talking about a special revelation. And it's something that I'm especially passionate about, and it is the Word of God. The Word of God. And in a world that is full of information, we need to know where we stand, and we need to know where our foundations are, and they're found in the Word of God. Church, I want to tell you about this book. This isn't just any book. This is 66 books written by over 40 different authors over a period of almost 1,600 years in three different languages. But what is unique about this book is that it was given to us by God to reveal himself to us. That this book contains, we believe, the truths for life, the wisdom that people are so desiring and don't even know that they need. Maybe can't even articulate it, but it's found in the Word of God. Come on, it was written by prophets, by doctors, by tent makers, by fishermen, by farmers, and shepherds, and kings, and tax collectors. But it tells one story. And it is the story of the book of Psalms. David begins to talk about the Word of God. It's actually kind of weird. Because David has this infatuation with the Word. I mean, he talks about loving the law of the Lord, about desiring it more than riches. Why would he say that? Well, this morning we're going to find out. And in this passage, David outlines six different descriptions of the word. We're going to unpack each one of those and find out what it means for us today. So let's start. Psalm chapter 19, verse 7, starts by this. It says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Psalm 119, 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. And what is the law? The law is the Torah. The law is the word of God. It's the whole word of God. So we believe that this Bible is perfect and complete. That it, in, in, in concert with each other, tells us the story of God's grace in our lives. In the book of Timothy, it says this, All scripture is given by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we believe that, that the Bible is complete, that is the, uh, the whole counsel of God. But here's what it says that it does for us. That it's complete. Why, why should we care about this? Because it converts the soul. 
The other words that you might find in other translations might say revives or restores the soul. Now, what does this mean? That this complete word of God restores and revives the soul. This is what I believe it means. It reminds us of the truth. Why? Because we are prone to wander from it. I don't know about you, but my default is not to excellence. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, my default is not, like, to be awesome. Like, even in studying for the sermon, I'm just going to be really honest with you. Even in studying for this sermon, I had to fight against the solitaire thing. Do you get that? Right? Because there's a part of me that just doesn't want to have to focus. There's a part of me that just doesn't want to have to dig in. I'm just being honest with you. You guys are like, oh, man, you got this guy to come speak? Yeah. That's why you pray for me. Yeah. Of course I did, like, five times. No, I mean, no, 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 no. Um, but no, no, the, the, your, your, your default is not towards excellence. It's something you have to be intentional about. You have to remind yourself of. And this is what God does in his word, is he reminds us of who he is. He reminds us of who we are, of what he's called us to do. And our response to him ought to be, thank you, Lord. Ephesians 3.18, that we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into his image from glory to glory. This Bible is like a mirror, and when you look in it, it starts to tell you about who God is and who you are in his eyes. And we can rise up to it, and in this age of information, we're being surrounded and bombarded with all these facts and all these figures and all these things about who we are and who we can't be and who we need to be, this tells us the foundation of who we are. And we can walk in it and we can walk into it. I love how it says that he restores. I know that the glory of God is always revealed in restoration. It is, it is, it is his glory to restore us and revive us. And the word of God is the foundation for that. It says it converts us. We know that word. It means salvation. There's two things about that that I find interesting. Number one, God converts us. It is God who saves us. You know what that means? You don't have to save anybody. Isn't that awesome? It's the word of God that converts and saves. It is the preaching of the word that brings salvation. It goes past the intellect and into the heart, and it responds. Something within our hearts responds because there's something within us that desires the Lord. We don't even know it. And when the word of God goes forth, it doesn't need to make sense. It just needs to be spoken. Something within man's heart goes, yes, and I've seen it all around the world. I've seen it all around the world. The next thing I find interesting about this is that he saves us, not us. That God is calling out to us. That his desire is for us. That he reminds us of his greatness. Man, last weekend, um, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to a worship conference in downtown Vancouver. And church, let me tell you, God is doing something amazing in this generation. There was 1,800 hungry people. Most of them under the age of 30. And God, of every different denomination and background that you can imagine... And the hunger in that place was off the hook. And God, as we were worshiping, all of a sudden just reminded me of his greatness. Just reminded me. And I said, God, thank you so much. Because I'd forgotten. Because life is hard. And it challenges you and it, it pulls you away from his presence. 
But it is the glory of God to reveal himself to us so that we can rise up to another level. Isn't he good? He is so good. And that's what the law of the Lord does. This is our foundation, church. This is our foundation. Number two, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Come on, it is a firm foundation. That idea of sure is that you know that when you take that step, it's going to be there and it's going to be strong. That you can know with confidence that God is for you. And if he is for you, who can be against you? That you can know with confidence that it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. That God is working in you even now. The fact that you showed up today is the proof of God's grace in your life. That he is drawing you. That he desires to know you. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. You will never have to worry that he will let you down. The other word here, the testimony is the witness of this. And the idea of sure is that idea of, uh, actually the Hebrew word actually denotes a picture of a foster parent. that You've been brought in and brought under, and they won't let you go. It's also the picture of pillars that support a door. You can walk under that door with confidence, knowing that there, it is sure it will not fall wise. We see this, um, I see this in my kids. My little daughter that was here today, Aubrey, um, she's uh, five years old. And we were driving the other day. I always have my best talks with my kids when I'm driving. And we were out driving, and I, I was taking her somewhere, and we drove past a Sikh temple. And she goes, Daddy, what is that? And I said, well, honey, I said, that's a church for people that are trying to find God. And she says, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, God has put within us a desire to know him. And so all around the world, people express that differently. But you want to know something, honey? She said, what? I said, they don't know Jesus. She goes, well, that's silly. Because she goes, that's silly. She goes, because Jesus is God. And I said, yeah. She starts giggling. She goes, do you remember when I was little and I used to think that God and Jesus were different people? (laughs) And she starts laughing. Think about the wisdom of that statement. A five-year-old little girl. That's silly. Jesus is God. It's just simple. It's just simple. We just believe God. I just know that my God is true. I just know that he is my rock and my foundation. I just know it. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. It's called faith. And what is faith? Faith is simply this, agreeing with God. Faith is our foundation. We agree with God. That's all we do. We just simply agree with God. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. Simply believe. Right? So we know that his law is perfect. We know that we can lean on it. And we also know that his law is sure. We can trust in it. And that it will make the simple wise. But number three. The statutes of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart. What is he talking about here? Precepts is another word that they might use. And the definition for that word is a general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. I call this one the Tanya principle. 
Let me explain. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. In other words, when you know the right way to live, when you're in alignment with God's word, when you're in alignment with his will, there is peace and there is joy. And how many know that joy, this perfect joy, does not exist in chaos? But joy exists within perfectly ordered structure. Case in point, our home is the cleanest home I've ever been into. My wife does such an amazing job of taking chaos and turning it into order. In fact, if you walk into our home right now and you go and pick up a candle and you move it over four inches, my wife will walk in afterwards without even knowing it and without even thinking about it, put that candle right back where it was before. Because she finds joy in order. That's what the word of God does is it brings order to our life. Freedom and joy are not found in chaos, but in perfectly ordered structure. Psalm 16, verse 11. You show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures evermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. Why is that? Because we're in alignment with God's will. We're in alignment with his perfectly ordered structure. We're in alignment with what we were designed to do. Did you know that you were designed to worship God? You were made for it. We were created to worship. And, and, and I love the way, I think it's Augustine that says it, I am restless until I find myself in you. There's something about it within us as human beings that desires and doesn't even know it to be in alignment with God and his will. And in that place is joy. In that place is joy. Come on. In that place is joy. And it doesn't always have to look like the structure that we might imagine. In fact, sometimes that structure expresses itself differently. Like with my daughter Ashlyn, for instance. Whereas my wife is, is, is a woman of order and, and loves things to be there. Ashlyn is an artist. And she will see, you walk into her room and in Ashlyn's room, you'll have painting all over the place. And you'll have little pieces of garbage that she says, no, mom, don't throw that out. That's my art. And she'll put it in, and what she's really good at is seeing something that is in chaos and making it into something that is beautiful. And that's what God does. There is nothing that's too hard for him. God sees you in your chaos, and he makes something beautiful out of it. That's what God does. That is who he is. That is his nature and his character and his heart towards you. Amen. Number four, the commandments of the Lord. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. What does it mean by pure? It means without mixture. There's no hidden motives here. There's no mixed messages. It allows us to see things clearly, and it brings clarity of vision and insight for life. You ever been in a place in your life where you just can't seem to see the end? That just feels like you're in a tunnel, and there's no end to that insight to that tunnel, and you just can't see it, and you lose it, and you're just stuck there? What does the law of the Lord do? It brings clarity. It brings vision. It brings purpose. Because it is without mixture, because uh, his law is perfect and pure, you can trust it. You can lean on it. You can build your life upon it. And what it does is it gives you a vision for the future. This is what it it looks like in my life. Um, Right now, my vocation is I'm a realtor. But I would never say I'm just a realtor. (laughs) Because the greatest call is to follow Jesus. And so, actually, my heart and what what actually aligns and what sets up every part of my life 
is that I am a follower of Jesus first. Then I'm a father, then a husband, then a a realtor. But the foundation is I'm a follower of Jesus. And whenever I lose sight of that, whenever that gets twisted around, guess what? Things kind of get out of alignment in our lives. And God has to remind me again of who I am and who he is and how I interact with that. And then everything comes back into alignment and into order, and there's joy. Do you see that? Come on. Come on. Psalm 16. Did I read this one already? No, I already did read that one. Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would know what are the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Amen. That's what God does. He enlightens our eyes. He gives us vision for life. He gives us vision for parenting. He gives us vision for our marriage, marriages, vision for our church. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, verse 130 says, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. That's what the word of God does. It's a foundation. It's a firm foundation that we can stand on. Number five, I told you there's six. So if you're counting, we're on number five. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. What is this idea of the fear of the Lord? This doesn't seem like it fits here. The fear of the Lord, what is it? It is a constant awareness of his presence. It is living a life that is in awe of his majesty. It is putting him first. It's just like I talked to you about just a few moments ago. It's saying my primary objective in life is to glorify God. Everything else flows out of that. Everything else flows out of that. The fear of the Lord is the constant word of his presence. The Bible says, I love this one, Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And his children will have a place of refuge. The Bible also tells us that in the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Remember that wisdom I was talking about that people are craving? Church, I'd like to propose to you this morning that that is found in the word of God. I'd like to propose to you that it's found in putting him first and reminding us of his greatness. And experiencing his presence. The fear of the Lord. There is strong confidence. In Matthew 24, verse 31, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Come on, it will not pass away. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. We can have confidence. We can be sure because our God is great and because he has given us his word. Amen? Number six, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous together. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So this last one is a summary of all of them together, and it's telling us what this does for us. It says that the way that we ought to treat this and we ought to respond to this, how do we respond? Is we treat it with value. We put it first in our life. I was telling you about that, that conference last weekend. One of the things that God spoke to me at that conference was, um, I was in the conference and I was praying, and the Lord, I, I actually had my phone on, in my pocket. And the Lord said, Matt, you need to take your phone and you need to lay it down. And I said, what do you mean? And I realized that the first thing that I had been doing when I get up in the morning, I don't know what this is, you guys, at six in the morning is I pick up my phone and I check my email. 
And I'm like, okay, maybe at 3 in the morning, some dude just, like, emailed me and wants to buy, like, a $15 million property or something like that, as if that's going to happen, right? But it's just this habit. It's, like, my first go-to. It's the first thing that I do is I pick up my phone and I try to see what's going on. And the Lord said, Matt, you need to, you need to lay that down. And I said, you're right. And I turned to Tanya. I said, honey, I want you to hold me accountable to this. I want the first thing that I pick up in the morning to be this and not my phone. It was funny. I preached last week at Southgate, and I got a text on Monday morning from somebody who said, hey, I'm texting you after I've read my Bible. (laughs) Yes. Right? Because we put it first. We value it. the, The word says we need to value this. Do you realize that there are areas in the world today that still do not, uh, are not allowed where it's illegal to own a Bible? Do you realize that people have died for this book? That the fact that we have this today is a miracle. There has never been a book that has faced more persecution than this book right here. Intentional uh, 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 desires and, 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 and uh, trying to, to, to destroy the word of God has happened throughout history. But we have it today. In our hands today, it is valuable. It is always and will always be the number one bestseller on the New York Times bestseller list. They don't even put it there anymore because it will always be. It's sweeter also than honey and honeycomb. Do you love the word of God? You know, apparently it's, a, it's possible. Apparently it's possible to love the word of God. To find joy in it. That idea of honey is that idea of a sensual um, response. That you can actually feel it. You can taste it. That it's wonderful. That it brings life. And moreover, by them your servant is warned. God is gracious. How many know that he's not out there trying to destroy your fun? Trying to mess up your life? But he has designed you for a purpose. And until you find yourself in that purpose, you will not know the joy that he has for you. His motive towards you is love. And in keeping them, there is great reward. And what is that reward? I love the way that Paul says it, that I may know him. The reward of putting him first, of putting his word first in our life, is that we get to walk knowing that we are walking in alignment with the king of the universe. So how do we do that? What are some responses to that? I want to just give you five really practical things that we can do to respond to this with the word of God. Okay, you guys with me? This is going to be quick. Number one. Everybody say number one. Just making sure you're awake. Read it. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to read it. We need to read it out. We need to make a habit of hearing and hearing by the word of God. You say, man, I need more faith. Get in the word. Get you a Bible. Yeah. I grew up on Christian music. B-I-B-L-E, all the letters for all of you out there and all to get it. Get you a Bible. You can look it up on Spotify, P-I-D. All right, praise the Lord. Number two. We need to memorize it. 
Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the seat of the scornful, or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Amen. The Bible talks about meditating on the word of God. In order to meditate on it, you have to get it inside of you. You have to get it past the eye gate and into your heart. And you need to begin to think about it. My word have I hidden in your heart, my heart that I might not sin against thee, is what David says. We got to get the word of God inside of us. Come on. You need to have a word in season and be ready to give it when people ask you a question so that there's a deposit there that you can give out to others. You need to have the word of God in your house so when you face temptations and trials, you can go back to not your thinking and all the Google information that's out there, but back to the word of God, the whole word of God, right? The foundation. It's not just our ideas, it's God's ideas. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Praise the Lord. Number three, we need to speak it. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You need to speak it out. Read it. Memorize it. Speak it. Speak it. James 3, 4, and 5 talks about the tongue being like a small rudder of a major ship. But that small rattle turns the entire ship. Come on, I don't want m- the words that I speak to be just my words. If they are God's words, they're inspired, and God can bring life and change into my life. As a parent, I don't want just my words. Let me tell you, I need God's words. As a follower of Jesus, I don't want just my words. I need God's words living in me. Amen? Number four, we need to sing it. Ephesians 5.19, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Why? This is also a great way to memorize. Come on. Um, gosh, let me think. Um, how many know this one? Any Sunday school kids here? No? Okay, not that one. Trying to think of a good example. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Remember that one? And his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something powerful. When we sing the word of God. It's not our words. It's his words. We're just singing them back to him. Come on. And number five. We need to live it. James 2.26 says this, For the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. We need to live it. You can't live it unless you have it inside of you. And you can't have it inside of you unless you've read it. So this morning as I close, I want to encourage you this morning. Let's become lovers of the word of God. Let's reignite a passion for his presence. Let's reignite a passion to know him. And I'm so grateful that God has given us his word, that he has revealed himself to us, not only in nature, but he's also given us a word that tells us about who he is. Because our lives can be changed by it.
I'd like to invite Pastor Mike to come up and close this morning. Amen. Wasn't that good? Yes. I think I've learned some things about how to be a better person, how to be a better man, how to be a better Christian today. So thank you so much for that, Matt. I'm just wondering about you, if you're like me, that you feel like, you know, I, I do love the Word, but I could probably do better at that. I could probably love God's Word more than I do already. I, I could probably turn away from some of the distractions of life and have a, a more focused heart toward the Word. I'd like to pray with you. Why don't you stand with me? And if that's you, just raise your hand together with me. Here we are, Lord. We, uh, from all different backgrounds, some of us feel close to you. Some of us maybe feel kind of distant from you. But we're turning away from distractions and attractions that are around us. And we're turning toward you right now and saying, Lord, would you come and make the word come alive to us more and more. When we're hungry and thirsty, let us be understanding that it's, it's your word that we're looking for. It's the fear of the Lord. It's, it's the law of God. It's the foundations. It's the precepts. It's the things that, that we really want to live for, but sometimes we wander. Sometimes we get distracted. Lord, would you come and purify our hearts? Would you come and make our hearts uh, just more attracted to you and finding less attractions in the things of this world? Yeah. That sounds an awful lot like the first word of the kingdom, which is repent. And we're just turning toward you in a more focused way right now. And God, I pray that for me, for my friends and sisters and brothers here, tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, Thursday night, all through the week, not just after we've had a good time in church, but Lord, in our lives, let our passions and hunger be all about the things of God. And God, I thank you for your heart for us, that this is, this is something that will help us and it will align our hearts with, with what really matters. So, God, I pray a great blessing upon this people. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and, and be gracious to you in your laughter and your tears and your work and, and your, your rest when you get up, when you lay down, every aspect of life. May the Lord bless you. May God give you favor and great joy in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you'd like prayer, we have people that will pray with you at the front. The coffee's on. Uh, get to know each other. Show some love. Sign up sheets for different things. We're on the Connect desk. Lots to do still, but God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. We love you.